Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, good morning. Glad to be with you today. Um, let me just say this, guns up, guns blazing, whatever way you want to say it. Um, it's team gear today uh, in honor of the Super Bowl weekend. Um, we will have an altar call for UT fans afterwards today. We will, we will make converts when we need to. Uh, OU fans and Aggie fans are welcome too, but you're okay. Um, you may can sit there a little longer. Um, we, uh, we, we wanted to just play off of that today. Thought it was fun as a church for you to rep your gear, for you to be here. Um, we saw in the last service, somebody had a Crockett Gilmore Ravens jersey on. Um, he's from our uh, town of Bushland, and so I think that's super fun. Uh, I've just seen so many different things. Jeff's repping his uh, ETBU jersey from back in the gap. Uh, it blows my mind that he fits in it. Our pastor is fit, um, and he is rocking it. And his girl has his, uh, his jacket on also. And so he's, he's got a date too, man. And so, I mean, he, that's how you do it right there. He can just take a bow. So he won today, I think. So um, I had to give him some credit for that. So uh, yeah, it's been fun. We hope that you've enjoyed this today, um, just to be able to relax and kick back. Um, and be here. Uh, we're just so thankful you're here with us today at the church at Bushland. Had a great first service. The Lord was there, um, and it was sweet and good. Pray for me today, because doing two services, it's like getting two different people. You know what I mean? Um, I want to be able to hear the Lord for this service and not just replicate everything that I did in the first service, and so we want to make sure that the Holy Spirit speaks to you today, uh, and so if you don't mind interceding on my behalf as you're listening today, um, we want to make sure that the Lord speaks loud and clear. Um, we got any Rams fans in the house? Awesome. Uh, we, okay, we got any Cincinnati fans in the house? There's a few of them scattered, right? Here we go. Here we go. You ready? Got any Cowboy fans in the house that are going to claim it? So we'll pray for you too, man. Disappointment for 25 years has been rough, isn't it? So uh, it's been rough. And so there's a lot of people in here repping different things. Uh, and so we're just excited that you're here. Uh, I'm kind of rooting for the Rams, to be honest with you. I hope Stafford gets him a ring. Uh, there's some things about the Rams I don't like. I like Cooper Cup. Uh, I like him too. Uh, I'm not an OBJ fan. I want him to come to Jesus, but I'm not a fan of him. Um, and so I'll just throw that out there for I don't know what reason, um, but I'm just going to throw it out there. So pray for OBJ. Uh, we, uh, we really what I wanted to, the reason I mentioned the Rams is because uh, the Rams head coach in 2017 said this, every team, uh, we're going to concentrate on this a little bit, every team has the opportunity to come together, right? And whether or not they accomplish that goal or they get to the highest stage to get there, um, you, you wanna come together as a team. And it's that same way for church, that same way for life, your family, you wanna operate as a team. And so when they hired Sean McVay in 2017, he said this, you see the shirts that people are walking around with, with the we, not me, 
It's always going to be about the team. All the decisions that we want to make are going to be from the standpoint of what's in the best interest of the team. Before any personal agendas, that's what we want to embody as a coaching staff and with our players as well. So in 2017, he ingrained this into his players. Here we are five years later, and Sean McVay has the opportunity to see the culture that he's created around his players, we, not me. Um, I think that's really cool, and why do we mention that? Whether you like the NFL or not, we're not gonna concentrate very much. This is the only time I'm gonna talk about it. I think it's cool in the, the idea of team and coming together, and they have accomplished something together to the point that they've got to the greatest stage on earth that we, that in sports, uh, the Super Bowl weekend. And so it's a big accomplishment, but really I want you to see something in that statement that you see. Sean McVay took Philippians chapter two and applied it to his fo- football team. Value the interest of other people above your own. It's we, not me, right? He took a principle from God's word, applied it to a team, and now they're in the Super Bowl five years later. Now, we don't get to see the process from 2017 all the way to where they are now to get there and to be able to accomplish those things. That is the hard part and the difficult God part. Corinthians talks about that God prophesies in part. We know the end and the beginning, but we don't know the process. You know why? Because we gotta go with Jesus in the process. It's important for us to go with him in that. And so that process is super important. So I started thinking, as a church, what would be a team verse that we could concentrate on? And not in a cheesy way, but what if we could sum it up and say something that we're, we wanna chase and we wanna go after that we could, we could pull up every day of our lives and hold on to. And it's interesting what God brought me to because I'm supposed to be talking about the area of serving, which I'll get there, but I want you to see uh, this verse that God gave me, and it's the team verse is this, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So it's interesting because here's, here's what I want you to see. Every one of you has an appetite for things in your life. Every one of you is consuming things in your life whether they be right or whether they be wrong, whether they be unrighteous or whether they be, they, they be righteous. You're all consuming things. You're all taking things in all week long. And it even says at the end of this verse, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. It's part of the Beatitudes. We better pay attention to this, right? Anytime to me that satisfaction is mentioned in a biblical way, it's something that we ought to grab a hold of and think through. And you think about hunger and thirst for righteousness. What would a church look like as a team if we had a hunger and thirst for righteousness every day? It's a game changer, right? It's a game changer for each of us to invest in that. And some of you, half glass full people, think that's just not gonna happen. We're not gonna have that kind of church. There's a lot of sin in the room. People are jacked up. Do I need to go? Right, some of you had those thoughts, right? I'm reading your mail right now and you're like, how does he know that I'm thinking that? Because I've had those thoughts. If something's not ever bigger than us, then what are we doing? God's big and God dreams big and he dreams beyond what you can accomplish with these and your own feet. He dreams bigger than that. He thinks bigger than that. But you know what he does not do is he does not leave the principles and the promises of his word to do it. God said, if you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'll bring a satisfaction your way you can't get from this earth. I'll bring it to you, and I'll bring it to your doorstep if you'll have a hunger and a thirst 
for righteousness. So what does that mean? If, if you are in the room today, the common ground is this. If you have, some of you, every one of you have a, have a somewhat of a desire when, when I mention that verse to comprehend that, and you're in the house today because you probably have to some degree, whether you've read this verse or not, you have a desire for hunger and thirst for righteousness. You wanna see God hopefully do things in your life. You're not gonna set through a message and do these things if there's not some desire ultimately for Jesus in your life. That's the common ground that most of us have in the room today. Now, what separates and where we're at in this is the depth at which you discover this verse depends on the depth at which you are willing to serve him. I'm gonna read that again. I'm gonna read it again. The depth at which you discover this verse depends on the depth at which you are willing to serve him. Think about that. Everybody in the room today may have a little bit of that desire. Now, the depth that you go, how much you get consumed in that is totally up to you and the things that you're willing to do on your side of the coin. Because when I read scripture, God calls us to die, doesn't he? Die so that I can live. Die so that you can live, right? There's a constant, you're in love with a king that's trying to kill you. Because why? Because we have nothing to offer outside of Jesus himself that's gonna lead to any kind of righteousness or satisfaction outside of the blood of Christ. We have nothing. And so this is a key verse to me. If we're gonna come to a team and come to a head today, we've got to concentrate on something in such a way that it propels us into what God wants from us. If we're gonna, if we're gonna serve, we have to have an appetite and we have to be hungry, and we have to thirst for righteousness. Because if we don't, things get, they can get perverted, they can get messed up, they can get sideways. It's important what we're consuming and what we're putting out, amen, church? And so to start that, I want you to see that, and I want you to understand that. Well, let's define what this righteousness is talking about. It has to do with showing mercy and being radically pure in your heart and making peace instead of retaliating. So our understanding of righteousness from the structure of the Beatitudes, which is where this is from, is indeed confirmed. Righteousness is showing mercy to other people, and righteousness is being part or being pure in heart before God, who alone can already see your heart. He can already see the motive of your heart and what you're doing. He can see those things, and the righteousness is the effort ultimately to make peace. Now, is that difficult? Yes, because nobody's amening. That's extremely hard to have a, her, a, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and to not want to re retaliate, to want to make me, to, to, to want to make peace. How hard is that with people? It's difficult and it's hard to surrender ourselves to something greater underneath our feet than just what we can do within our own ability, right? It's difficult to process that and to do that. As I've read this verse, your hunger for God, as you read this verse and you start to wrap your mind and your heart around it, your hunger for God will shift the more you spend time with him. And here's what I've, here's what I've discovered. The more I spend time with Jesus, the more I have a desire to serve and love on people no matter what they do to me. No matter what they do. You, you take those verses like, love your enemy, 
Sounds really great until you're in the moment, right? Yeah, somebody like, amen. Like in the moment, you have to make a choice. I hunger and thirst for righteousness more, righteousness more than I want vengeance, God. More than I want my way. You can see things in them that I can't. Give me a clear view, clear heart, clear mind to be able to be about the kingdom of God and not my will, but your will be done. I'll take that cup. Whatever it is, because I, I, I can see that there's something beyond this than just them being my enemy. It's hard to drink that cup, is it not? So the hunger and thirst for righteousness is important in the area of serving because it uproots, it uproots things in us that need to be uprooted. If you're gonna have a desire for hunger and righteousness, you're gonna have a desire for that, you gotta understand too, here's the other thing, it's an idol killer. When you get hungry and you get thirsty for righteousness, God will uproot idols in you. And he starts cleaning house. And it's a good thing because he's preparing you to serve. He's preparing you for battle. And it's not fun to get prepped for battle. Anybody in here love to work out? All you people repent, all right? Some of you, these CrossFit people, I can't, uh, I can't believe, it's, it's insane. I wish, to, uh, I mean, I love sports and those things, but I, I'm just kidding, it's, it's good to work out and do those things. But you know, when you work out, that, that preparation, is that the toughest part? Oh man, it's tough, right? It's tough to grind that and eat on that and to do what you need to do to reach the goals and the things that you wanna do. And that's exactly what we have to do as Christians. There's battle preparation, not for you ultimately, but for the gospel through you. And so your appetite matters. I wanna give you a story. I wanna give you an example of this. I've served in youth ministry uh, for a long time before I got in here and before I got into uh, being a senior pastor, and then I get the great uh, fortunate thing to be able to come to Bushland and, and serve as an associate pastor, but I served 15 years, I mean, probably 11 or 12 years worth of youth ministry, and you learn a lot in youth ministry, amen, church? And so one of the, one of the camps that we were at one week, I have not ever hardly seen the washing of people's feet done in a way that I felt like was meaningful and good. I've seen plenty of people try to wash people's feet and sometimes it just makes me cringe. Not because it's nasty, because it's just not done in the right motive or the right heart. It's to do it to be impressive. You know, part of serving and the reason it's difficult, I went to Mardell's this week before I tell the story, I went to Mardell's. You know how many books there are on serving that I found? Zero. There's not any section that says, hey, you wanna learn how to serve, here it is, here's all the books and here's all those topics. Now it may be mixed in in a book, you may get one off Amazon, I don't know for sure those things. But when you go into the Christian bookstore in town, that is not a great topic to go and look for because there's not a lot of information on it. And I wanna make sure you understand that because serving has a dynamic a lot like fasting to it that it removes the exaltation of us and therefore sometimes that removes us because it doesn't have enough immediate reward for us. It removes us, because it's not immediate. And we like immediate satisfaction. We don't like where we have to linger and wait upon the Lord, because he will renew my strength, right? So serving and fasting is difficult. 
And one of the ways that I saw washing of feet, if you wanna turn in your scripture, I'm gonna go to John chapter 13 here in just a second as I tell this story. I saw serving, or I mean, I saw serving in a way up close with the washing of feet, probably in the best way that I've ever seen it. We had this girl in our youth group give you this point of view just because I think it's important, not um, for any other reason than that. Um, I'll give her name and everything. Her name was Allison. She was beautiful. She was popular. She was falling in love with Jesus. Um, came from a great family, had all those things. And we had this other kid that went to youth camp with us. His name was Dion. He came to play ball at youth camp. My kind of peeps right there. He jumped into the cat out of his brother's Cadillac to get on the bus with no shirt on because he woke up late. And you think I'm playing? And we let him on the bus because you know what we're all praying? Dion's going down this week, right? <laughs> He's going down. And so we're excited. Come with no clothes, do whatever you got. We just want to get you on this bus, right? And so we loved him, athletic kid. And so I want to give you, Dion was black. I want to give you this perspective because it's important for us to see. God calls us to serve all people, no matter what color, no matter where they come from, no matter if they're poor, no matter if they're rich. All people need Jesus and they need service from God's people. They just, that's just the flat out truth. And so you see Allison, you can see Dion, you can picture in your brain, you can see those things. And one night we were, it was about the third day into camp. And uh, as we were into camp, uh, they did this thing, the Stations of the Cross that night. And Allison came up to me and she was like, I'm supposed to wash Dion's feet. And she's crying. And deep down inside, the youth pastor, if you've never been a youth pastor, here's the first thing that you think when somebody tells you something like that. Am I gonna get in trouble with their parents? Am I gonna get fired? Is this gonna lead to something really bad? And Jesus, is this cool? And so you have all of these thoughts, and I think, I don't, want, I don't know if this is right. I had a good relationship with her dad. I thought, I hope she's hearing the Lord. She's growing in her face. She's emotional about it. But I've seen lots of chicks be emotional, and then they go doing things, and I thought, you shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? I've seen some chicks marry some guys that they shouldn't have married, and they were emotional about it, right? You see those things. Sorry, I threw that card in. Uh, my wife's laughing. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So you, you, you can see the debacle that's happening deep inside of me, and I decide I'm going to let her walk by faith. And so I tell her, I'm going to watch you from a distance, though. And so I'm supposed to wash Dion's feet. So she takes him on the park bench. Mind you, none of the activities that night were washing of the feet that I remember. None of them. It was just something that God put on her heart. And so, mind you, also, Dion's been playing ball all week. And this ain't the morning where you're flashing clean before breakfast. This has been all day, right? And so here goes this girl, sits him down on the park bench, gathers things that she can gather to be able to do it, and she takes his shoes off and doesn't say, she's not saying anything to him. Takes his shoes off, his socks off, starts washing his feet. She gets to the left foot, he takes off. He gone. So I remember, I, you know, I hope she doesn't run after him because this could get awkward. I don't know if they're going back to the dorm. I don't know what's going. And I remember Allison just surrendered and I went to run after him and the Lord stopped me in the middle of it and he said, he's coming back. So I let him run. He went to the dorms. And I sat there and I thought, Lord, you sure? Because I don't, I don't, 
I'm thinking of all the bad things that can happen right now, right? And he comes running out of the dorm rooms, comes running up to me, and he lays all the stolen cell phones that he had stolen the first three days of camp at my feet. One act of service and no words has the ability to change his history and his destiny in this moment. You know why service isn't on the shelves? Because it requires the Holy Spirit's humbleness to really walk in it. And you know what that requires? For you to be in relationship with Jesus, for you to spend time at his feet, for you to spend time with him. And in that moment, we got to see Dion get flipped. There's been a, still a struggle in his life and the curse culture that's still around him, but we got to see his destiny change that evening because of one act of service. It's huge in those things. And here's the thing, God doesn't need you to flex in moments like that. God didn't need her tongue. God didn't need him, her to just do all these cool things or look right or be right. God doesn't need you to look pretty. You know what God needs you to do? Take the food and the spoon, put it in the middle of a plate, look at a person in their eyes and tell them, you know that God loves you? He just needs the simplicity of who we are. We think we gotta flex and look a certain way and make God look good. He doesn't need you to make him look good. He just needs your heart. He needs you. That's what he wants. And if he gets that, then he gets the pure heart. He gets the motive of who we are because then he's gonna change us and he's gonna make us look like him. And it's not gonna be about the way that we flex or the way that we do things. It's gonna be about Jesus in that. In those moments of service, do you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, church? Because if we're gonna talk about serving, if you don't have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, we can't get very far. We can't. Because when you're serving and you're doing something in the middle of it and it's not very fun, you're gonna give up if you don't have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. You wanna give up. Whatever it is. Think about those moments in your life that God's asking you. Do you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? John chapter 13, verse one. I'm gonna read this story. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Woo! Man, that's good right there, period. Verse two, this, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Wait, we gotta pause. Jesus had everything at his grasp in this moment. If he wanted to call down legions of angels and just end this sucker and we go somewhere, he could have just done it, right? He could have done it in the moment. He held it all in his hand. The same way that you hold your choice every day in your hand of what you're gonna do with Jesus today. What you're gonna do for other people. Are you gonna serve? Or are you just gonna be about you? You're gonna be selfish. Are we gonna sacrifice? What are we gonna do with the gospel? It's gonna come before your heart every day. What are you gonna do with it? 
You have the power to choose, just like Jesus had the power to choose to take the shortcut or to endure the cross, right? For us, because he invested in we, not me, right? He invested in the Father's business, and he wanted to get us back. And so he did what it took in the area of service. I'm willing to die so that others might live, amen? That's what Christ did in these moments. And he had all the power in his hand to do what he wanted. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he had poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Here, let me just give you a little nugget of truth. Don't ever tell Jesus no. Don't ever tell him no. And I love this right here, what Peter, Jesus answered this. Unless I wash you, you can have no part of me, Peter. You can have no part. And look at Peter's response. So good, because Peter is just like, he's just like me, insert foot in the mouth. I thought this was what I was supposed to say. And then Jesus says something and rebukes him, and he responds really well. These, then he said, Lord, Simon Peter replied, well, don't just wash my feet, but my hands and my body, wash my whole self, right? Don't just do that. I'm sorry. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet and their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and that that's why he said not every one of you was clean. Then he had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So as you read this story and as we see this, I got just a little while to just break this and see this. You gotta think about the roads in Jerusalem. They were covered with a thick layer of dust. And when it rained, they turned into liquid slush. The servant would kneel down with a bucket of water and a towel and scrub off the manure and mud from the foul feet. If, they could not, if the home could not afford a slave, one of the early arriving guests was to take upon himself the role of the house, uh, house servant and wash their feet. It's interesting that none of the disciples had volunteered for the job at this point. They had not done it. Chuck Swindoll writes it well right here, and he says this. The room was filled with proud hearts and dirty feet. The disciples were willing to fight for the throne, but not for the towel. <sighs> I just, when I read that this week, just sinks in in my heart. They were ready. Let's go to Rome. Let's overthrow. Get on your horse, Jesus. Let's go. I got the sword. Peter's ready to go to death. He's ready to fight. He's ready to do all of those things. They were ready to die. And they missed it. And then Jesus, in a moment in history where you think war's gonna rise up, he grabs a towel and begins to wash their feet. 
telling you, if you're gonna serve, it cannot be about the exaltation of you. Grabbing a towel is not always fun. It's not always fun. But you're gonna serve better if Jesus washes your feet. You're gonna serve better. Jesus came as a sacrifice for all. He was consistent with his work. Jesus didn't see folks as we see. He doesn't see a worthless addict. He doesn't see an abusive spouse or a convicted felon. He sees a soul in need of salvation. He doesn't see somebody that's apathetic in the pew today. He sees somebody that needs the the, the joy of their salvation returned. Our labor in the Lord must be consistent, and it must be without prejudice or favorites. Amen? Jesus held it all in his hand, and he chose humility over power. Most of us would want power, and we would probably choose it because we think it comes with a shortcut. One of the most impactful things that you can do is to press into the idea of what it means to be a humble servant what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus. And if you will do that, God will shift and do different things in your life. Because you know what humility does? It honors the master. It makes us lay low so that he can be high and glorified and lifted up. And that's hard because we're not naturally inclined to wanna do that in our flesh, but we are called to be spirit and truth. Amen, church? And when we do that, we have the ability that we can lay low so that he can be high and exalted and lifted up. That's what we want. That's the hunger and the thirst for righteousness that we can find in satisfaction being on our face while he's glorified and his name is lifted up. Remove us, decrease us, and increase you, Jesus. That's what what we're called to do in that. And you think about the bath right here. Bathing means the whole body. Wash means to sponge off the feet. God bathes us at conversion. He cleanses our scarlet sins white as snow. But walking through life's dirty streets as a believer, we can pick up some of the world's grime and and, and junk, right? What we need in that case as a believer is not another bath. We just need a cleansing. Right? First John chapter one, verse nine says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, you ready? From all unrighteousness. He flips the coin for you so that you can have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Here's what I want you to see. And these are gonna come on the screen so that you can write these things down and see them. This is to me how you have to enter into what it means to serve. First thing would be this. Every believer needs to be willing to serve from their intimacy with Christ. Every believer needs to be willing to serve from their intimacy with Christ. If you're not serving from that, you have nothing to offer. You can offer your flesh, you can offer good deeds and good things, but faith without works is dead, church. You know know why that is? Because people need you to press into God's heart. They need you to spend time at the feet of Jesus. 
They need you to spend time in your word. That intimacy flows into other things in our life. There's not a, a lot of exaltation in it. And a lot of, you can get away with a lot of things and just walking out in your flesh a lot and doing things in God's name in your flesh. But people are reading your mail and they know you're fake. They know you're fake. If you'll spend time with Christ and at his feet, these are the things to me that will be produced out of that. First thing is this, it allows you to serve better within your home. It allows you to be who you need to be in your home because you don't have what it takes, dads, for your kids and for your wife and for your family to be the leader that you need to be if you are not sitting at the feet of Jesus in intimacy. You ain't got it. You know how I know that? Because I'm trying. And every time I try to do it, you know what happens? I either yell, I get mad, or I look at my wife and be like, you take care of him because I'm just done with him. My, my kids have a disease that's called delayed obedience. I don't have it, but they do, all right? And when you, when you struggle in that and when you see those things, it's hard. But if you want to be who you need to be, sit at the feet of Jesus, man. Open your word. It ain't gonna be a three-hour session. Open your word, read your word, spend some time with Jesus, get on with your day so that when you come home at night, your kids and your wife can get the best of you within your home. Second thing is, it allows you to serve more effective within your church. Some of you say, well, what, what does that mean? Well, I don't like kids. I don't want to serve in kids. Well, we have to figure out why you don't like kids. If you don't like kids, maybe because it's just not in your personality or whatever, or do you not like kids because your feet are dirty? I don't like teenagers. Well, it's cool if you don't like teenagers. God doesn't leave you in that direction. We're not trying to force anybody in any direction. But do you not like teenagers because your feet are dirty because they will read your mail? Teenagers are the only people that I know that can be walking in really bad things and you preach before them and they're reading your mail and they're thinking you're fake and I'm thinking you're fake too. Teenagers can read your mail and a lot of times we don't embrace the act of service because our feet are dirty. We are dirty and we don't go. And we use the excuse, we can blame it on church, we can church hop, well, they're not offering this and they're not offering this. It, bottom line is, if you got dirty feet, that's on you. It's on you because God has offered to clean them, amen? He's offered to clean them. You see a passage of scripture right here. Don't let dirty feet take you away from your God-given ability to do something that changes the world to serve people. The other thing, it allows you to serve with greater compassion to your community. Some of you don't have compassion. You're at the ball games, you'd be like, you see that couple over there, they had an affair, they're terrible, look. Who's terrible? You or them? The Bible speaks directly against you. You know what the Bible speaks? That you should go to them. We don't shoot our wounded. You know what you should be doing? How can I get next to them? How can I get next to them without it drawing attention? How can I humbly approach them? God, give me the right words to say, even if I sit behind them and all I get to do is pray. Help me to pray and help me to stand in the gap for that couple. Golly, we miss so many opportunities they're right there. They're right there if we just only open our eyes. Simple acts of service. But they only happen if you're sitting at the feet of Jesus. They only happen. And last thing, it allows you to serve with humility and your commission from God. 
Everybody has a purpose and a destiny, and each of you have a commission. You have something that God wants to do with you, and you're commissioned to it. And if you will sit at the feet of Jesus, it will make that commission come alive and that purpose. And God will send you to people. He'll use you with people. And you'll get to see the greatest thing that we ever got to see on earth is the gospel go from one person to the next. It's the best thing. It's better than your wife coming down the bride. It's better than the first breath that your baby takes. It's better than a touchdown. It's better than winning the Super Bowl. It is the best thing to ever come across this earth outside of Jesus, of getting to multiply the gospel into other people and to serve with Christ himself and being an ambassador with him. That is the greatest thing that you can do with your efforts and the best parts of who you are. That is your commission and that's what you're called to do. And as the worship team comes, well, how do we do this? And what does this look like within the area of church? There's ways to serve here at Bushland. We need to, we need to serve in children's ministry. There's a children's ministry team. Well, have you even prayed about it? Have you asked the Lord? There's areas to serve in children's ministry. There's areas to serve in youth ministry, on the team in youth ministry. Men, we need some men to just walk in there and just love on high school boys. Think about what it's like to be a high school boy right now. And you shaking their hand or loving on them or high-fiving them, those moments matter to them, whether they like it or not. We need men in those areas. Preschool ministry team, loving on babies, nothing greater than that. Our worship ministry team with Paxton, our Guest Connect team out front, our media team, sound, audio, and video. Our teenagers are crushing it in that area. We need more adults. We had 16 families join in the last two weeks. Praise God. But if our hearts are not invested in the right things, we don't want people walking away from us. We need to make sure that our hearts are invested into the ground that God has given us because there's nothing better than taking ground from the enemy. Oh, it's my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite thing to do. Life group team with Tommy, the social media team. Those are all the things that we've got opportunities to serve in and much more. We have deacons and we have all kinds of things that happen throughout the church. But you, here's what you gotta be careful of. Don't step into a platform that your priesthood is not ready for. And what I mean by that, some of you have a real great desire to wanna do something that's up front and out front and God's like, nope, I need you behind the scenes and not out front yet because your heart ain't right, but I can use you here. Have you read the Bible? You know how many jacked up people are in the Bible? David was killing people in a bad way. Uriah, remember that? And God was still using him. He was, he was having sex with Bathsheba. He was doing things that were bad, and God still used him. Now, obviously, he repented, but those things are crucial. You think, well, I, I, God can't use me. Yeah, he can. Well, I don't know. I just, I'm not a part of church. I don't like this church thing, right? My marriage is just not in a good spot. I'm, I, I'm just, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I bought into this whole Jesus thing. All that church is, all they really want is my money. I don't know. I'm addicted to porn. I don't want to tell nobody. 
And we go through these things. I'm a teenager. I'm too young. I can't really make impact on the church. That's my mom and dad's job. We go through all of these things. My marriage is a wreck. I'm doing things that have disqualified me from high school, made major mistakes, horrible things in my life. I didn't do what I was supposed to do when I was supposed to do it. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on until you go and you say, here, Jesus, here's what I got. So you really don't want to use me. Here's what I got. You know what Jesus is doing? He's looking at all your unuseful petals that you threw on the ground. You know what he's looking at you? He's looking right at you in the eyes. Give me the unuseful petals. He doesn't want this. This is excuse. Jesus wants what you don't want to give him. The things that don't add up and make sense. Because this isn't two plus two equals four. He's the tide turner church. You know what he does? He gathers up our petals. And if we'll put them in his hand, you know what he does? He takes the ashes of things that we would throw away and he turns them into something beautiful. And you're gonna be sitting before people whether it be drug issues, whether it be a former porn addict, whether it be your marriage was falling apart, whether you be a teenager that, that, that was just apathetic and relying on your mom and dad's foundation and not a real relationship with Jesus, whatever it may be, God will turn the tide if you'll give him your unuseful petals. Will you give it to him? Because to me, this is how a servant is created. It's by saying, I've got all of these things that are not good about me. I don't have good things to give to you. I don't have it, Jesus. That ultimately what I have is nothing but a stick. And Jesus doesn't see what we see. He sees it differently. He sees it in a way that, that it changes the world. But the only way that it changes is if you're willing to give him those unuseful petals and put them in his hand for an exchange. Woo, and there's nothing better than somebody that hands these petals to Jesus and he says, let it ride. Because it's gonna be the sweetest thing ever. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna get in moments where your feet are dirty again. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna have to continue to sit at the feet of Jesus. God has a plan for each of you. But if he sat at your feet today, would you tell him no? No. No. Can't let you, no. Can't give that to you. I was there the day when you were seven years old and that happened to you. I was there. Give me that abortion that happened in high school. Give it to me. Because I'm not going to throw it away. I'm going to use it. Does he got your unuseful petals? Because if you're offering a stick, that's not what he's interested in. He's interested in the junk, the trash, because he's the Tide Turner Church. That's who he is. That's what he does, and that's what he's invested in. He's invested in we, not me. That's who Jesus Christ is, and that's who we serve. Amen? Give him your heart and learn what it means to be a humble servant. And it starts with just simply saying, I'll serve, Lord, send me. I'll serve. Let me pray.
God, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you do for us. We thank you, Lord, that you're not invested in, in some future version of us, that you're gonna love us if we, if we, if we were to look like this down the line. God, you love us the most you're gonna love us right now in this moment. We can't earn it. We can't get away from it. We can run from it. But God, if we will fully embrace the love of God in such a way, there will be people running down these aisles. God, love on us. Give us a hug. Let us know what we need to do more here at the church at Bushland. God, we don't wanna just exist we don't want to just have numbers come through the door. God, we want the presence of God to change us from the inside out. We need more, Lord, and help us to repent of the things that we've done wrong, the things that we're not good at yet, Lord. You continue to use people despite their flaws. We thank you so much that perfection is not required because there is a perfecter that loves us and cares about us. Jesus, you are good all the time, every time, and any time. Take those that need to come here today and need to repent, need to lay some things up, need to get at your feet again. I pray those that have dirty feet today would come running. Let them know that you're gonna take the basin and you're gonna clean them up and you're gonna send them out again. Send those with dirty feet, Lord. Pray for those in here in the room that don't got dirty feet and they've just been waiting for a little bit of a push to go serve somewhere. Light them up, Lord. Fan them into flame and use them in areas of, the, of, of our church and our community and their home, wherever that may be. We love you, Jesus. As ministry teams come, this is your time, not my time. We trust you with it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.